0: Hi, this is David from Wedding Business Growth. Wedding Business Growth is committed to helping you succeed in the wedding and events industry and grow your business in a sustainable way. Thank you for tuning into Wedding Business Growth Podcast. And now stay tuned for part two of this episode.
1: Yeah, I love that.
2: Yeah, I was about to say the same thing. And David, you and me are completely on the same wavelength. I was gonna ask the exact same question about what the most unique or random thing that was ever painted was. So, yeah, I, I think our uh, active listening skills are uh, are starting to align, sir. Yeah.
0: Well, it makes me it makes me also think, is there anything anybody's ever asked you to do that you are like, yeah, that's a little too much. Does that ever come up?
1: The only thing that I've had to say is it depends on what your budget is. I can yeah. do anything. It's just going to cost you.
0: Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Interesting. <clears throat> so, so
2: in, in the world, especially in the world of, of weddings and such, you know, it, it's definitely going to be hard to always just survive off of one source of income. And, and that might not just be because of the wedding industry. It's just because of the world we live in today, right, where one job isn't isn't the norm anymore for a an household. So, um, you know, it's really important to start thinking about other income streams and so <clears throat> passive income, it's something where, you know, you have that ability to upfront initial investment, right? Initial plan development. But then after that, there's somewhat of a, not necessarily set it and forget it, but, you know, where, where it kind of works for itself at that point. So why don't you chat a little bit with us about passive income and, and, and how, you've, uh, how you've kind of set yourself up? Uh, to to be able to have different revenue streams.
1: Yeah. Um, so, you know, passive income. It it's not a hundred percent passive. Of course, you have to. You know, you have to do your work up front, and there's also maintenance work along the way. Um, but you you want to find something that doesn't eat up your time per customer that it would take the same amount of time or almost the same amount of time. If you had 10 people buy it as if you had hundred people buy it, um, you know, common ones are, um, you know, like a digital download or um, like an e-course or um, one of my revenue streams, which is the product, um, which, you know, I put in the work to design the product and create the product. And then I have it listed online and you know i do some marketing work i'm you know update it regularly when i have new product but other than that people are you know shopping without me having to be there and without me having to do um you know create something from scratch every time i get a purchase
0: interesting yeah um so uh, i'm sorry
1: um just there, there's a lot of like different types of, of passive income. Um, but the, the really the goal, the, the idea is that it's, the work is all front loaded. Um, but one of, the, one of the things that you want to avoid is feeling like it has to be perfect before you launch it, um, because that can be a real barrier. You want to do, um, the, the term is a minimum viable product. Um, so think of it like do, you're doing a beta launch, then you see what your kinks are, maybe upgrade a little bit, add some extra content or extra value, and then you know do a relaunch. And you get to get it to a point where it's good, it's making income for you, and you don't have to go back and revisit it until you have some time, maybe during the off-season. Um, you know, I, th- I think most wedding professionals sit around in November twiddling their thumbs. Um, thinking I need to book because that's where I get my income from, but you can use that time to develop some other income that, um, kind of, you can let it, you know, for the most part, run itself during wedding season and then put time into it when you have the time.
0: One of the things you brought up is, is, uh, like a, like a e-download or like a, course or something like that. And I think a lot of people, not just in our industry, but just a lot of people in general, um, sometimes feel like, you know, who am I to put a course out or something like that. And I, I think it's it's worth diving into a little bit of understanding that um, no matter, I mean, unless you just at the very beginning of something, then this might might not necessarily be applicable. But if you've had any level of experience, and success, that means that there's somebody out there that wants to get to where you are, even though you probably wanna get where somebody else is, which is light years further than where this other individual is. But for every person that you want to aspire to get to, there's also somebody back there aspiring. and, and, And by back there, I just mean earlier on in their career, um, or if we use the examples of chapters, you might be in your chapter six. You want to get to chapter thirteen, but somebody else is in chapter one. That's nowhere closer to chapter six yet, and that is your audience for your e product or your or your um, you know or your course or something like that. Have you found that that's kind of what makes sense in in putting those types of things together?
1: Yeah, I think um, you know everyone has their skills that you know the things that they're particularly good at. And like, especially if you think a, a little bit broader, um, like a lot of people think, oh, I'm gonna make a course for other DJs. I'm gonna make a course for other photographers. Um, you could also think about, well, the people I already have as clients, what might they want to learn? Um, or you could think about um, utilizing uh, a platform like a, a skillshare or something where people are already there looking for something to learn, even just the basics. Um, and what can you bring to that platform and have the platform do a little work for you? Mm-hmm.
2: <clears throat> yeah, I think, you, you know, it, it's so, it's so difficult to find right that passive income solution to, um, Right, a lot of people just by default, it's it's like rental properties is a very huge source of passive income, right? Once once a year, once every so often, when you lose a renter, you go and you solution that. Um, right, some people are doing the Airbnb thing. Um, you know, those are those are some of the like largest sources of that. So, when you were at, at what point in your development of your product did you realize? That not only did you have something that was going to work for you but that it was also going to be a passive income source or did you kind of have to learn while you were developing it that hey this is actually a solution that can be a little more passive where i can put in work at different periods of time but it doesn't have to be an everyday thing like how did you come to that to that um realization
1: um well a lot of that um came from trying to equalize my income throughout the year um i have you know a couple months where like all of my clients are booking their wedding invitations and paying their deposits and then i have some months where there's just not really much going on um and i started trying to think of okay what can i do you know during the holidays and during the slower times during the wedding season to bring in income. And so I started doing things that could be Christmas related, commissions, um, and developing my product line. And so for me, I I knew I needed another non-wedding related way to get some income but I, I didn't want to do the part-time job I've done. I've done that, you know, I've done the, the, the corporate thing. I've, I did part-time retail. There was a period where I tried to do DoorDash and I just, it's not fun for me. I wanted to do art. I love it, it was, it's fun. So I really started to look for ways to take what I already had and repurpose it into a new revenue stream.
2: I love yeah, that. I think... You know, that's something. Oh,
0: sorry. Go ahead, Frank. Go ahead. I'll up to you.
2: I, I was actually going to hand it off to you with this, too, David. Um, this is something that David talks about all the time, which is reverse engineering. Right. It's like, what is your end goal? And then work yourself backwards to get to that. And And so, I mean, I love that, you know, you started out with I need to have a solution for these periods of time where the income is different than the rest of the year, because I need something a little bit more level. And then you worked yourself backwards to saying, okay, it has to involve my art product. What can I do? And then you solution that through. I mean, I, I think that's, that's a great way of doing it. And like I said, that's, that's a David thing. David talks about doing that all the time. What's your end goal and work yourself back.
0: Yeah. I mean, I mean, for me, once I realized being a go-go dancer wasn't going to make me any money, I had to, uh, I had to really make a change. No, I'm just kidding. I have never done that and hopefully never have to. But no offense to anybody who does, by the way. Um, no, but seriously, I, I, some of the things I heard you guys say in, in that last little segment, uh, Ashley, what I love is you said, you know, I wanted to do something that wasn't necessarily wedding related, but you didn't get so far away from the core of what you do. And you said, okay, let me let me take something that's like holiday related or theme related, and I know that people are going to be wanting to make purchases within that realm as well. And if I can offer a product in that realm again, as you mentioned, you already have a built in audience, you already have a built in clientele base that maybe your past clients purchased these wedding invitations or different things from you. Well, you've built a trust in those clients by purchasing those products. And so being able to market another product that's again, like uh, holiday related or theme related is a much um, less barrier to, to the potential of a purchase, because again, they've already put their trust in you for something else. And so I, I think that's brilliant. And and then Frank, you, you brought up about, um, you know, like rental property or Airbnb or something like that. Uh, I think it's, it's important for people in our industry to think about the possibility of things like that outside of our industry, um, because you, you know we sometimes get so, and I and I've been guilty of this as well. We get really kind of pigeonholed into what can I do in the wedding business? What can I do in the event space? What else? What else? And, and like as a DJ, what other services can I add? Can I add on a photo booth? Can I add on this? Can I add on that? Can I add on whatever? And it's like, but you could take all of that money and all of the investments that you're doing for all of that stuff, and you have. And you can look at that and say, well, now I have a potential to look into the possibility. And maybe it's a like, for example, an Airbnb property. It may be something that you have to kind of find a, a business partner or something like that with. Frank, you and I, you know, maybe individually we don't have the money uh, extra to purchase an Airbnb, but collectively maybe we have the money to purchase an Airbnb together. And that could be the first step to say, okay, let's get this one. Let's get it off the ground. And then at that point, either we buy another one and we buy each other out of one of them or however we make it work um, or we just continue to keep being partners, if that makes sense, too. But I think it's 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 really cool to explore what else you can do um, beyond what your passion is, because I think most of the people that in and we've said this in, in in past episodes past guests have said this and i always believe this i don't know that anybody just like all of a sudden wakes up one day and says says mom and dad i want to sit down at the kitchen table for you for a minute with you and you know i've thought i've thought long and hard about this and i've decided that i'm going to be a wedding dj that's what i'm going to do for my career like i don't think anybody has ever had that conversation i think you just fell into it you just it just happened you know Um, and so like, we got to expand beyond just what we love.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you have to, um, especially we, we've all now experienced what it's like to not be able to rely on the wedding industry Mm -hmm. for income for a while. Um, and I know, you know, that, that was hard. I had. Several months that usually are my best months of the year where I had basically no income. Um, But I put more time into the revenue streams that I had already started into promoting my commissions and my product line. And I actually had a better year in 2020 than I did in 2019. And I had a better year in 2021 than I did in 2020.
0: And that's impressive because a lot of people can't say that. That's impressive. But that was from that was from, again, diversifying and finding these other income streams that made sense um, at the time. And then probably being able to kind of going into the maybe last final kind of segment of the conversation, which is scaling those things. Um, scaling to me is so incredible. I, 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 when you are able to grasp the, pro, the how it works, it revolutionizes revolutionizes your thought process forever. Um, talk a little bit of maybe about how you were able to scale those different things as you as you kind of went from um, development to creation to now scaling those things.
1: Yeah. So um, one of the big things about doing a service um, is there's only so many hours in a day, and you can only take on so many clients. You know, in a month, in a year. Which means that if you are only doing a service, the only way for you to increase your income is to increase your pricing. So, if you want to continue to grow and um, continue to retain uh, a sane work schedule and be able to, you know, take a vacation or you know have the weekend, ha- well. Most wedding professionals don't get their weekends off, but have you know your your two days off, whatever those two days may be during the week. Um, you need to find ways that you can make money that are not based on your time, where it's not an hourly rate that you're, you're making. trading
0: hours for dollars, yeah.
1: Yes. Um, so, you know, selling product, is a great way to do that and there are there are multiple ways to do that um and I actually do both uh, where I design and I order the products and I mean I have stock and I sell them but I also use uh print on demand for certain products um where I don't want to invest a ton of money in more expensive products um and then have that money sitting in stock um so I use a print-on-demand service, which is great. You upload your artwork, you connect it to your website, and they just do all the work for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things I think a lot of people don't consider when they're doing this is that if you're going to scale the business, even though it doesn't, it's not like time-based where like every every client requires three hours of your time or something like that, um, there is still small labor cost in the, you know, ordering stock, packing orders, taking them to the post office. So when you're pricing your stuff, you need to price like you're going to end up hiring help. Don't discount your time because then you won't be able to afford to scale. If you need to hire an office assistant or an associate, you, you need to have that pricing already baked in.
0: Reverse engineer, there it is again, I yes. love it.
1: Yeah, so you gotta work backwards. So, and I wholesale some of my products as well. So I've worked backwards, both backwards and forwards. I know what my product costs and I know what I wanna sell it for. And I make sure that the math in between works. If I can't make it work, I do not wholesale it. If I can't make it work for a reasonable like, retail margin, I look for another vendor.
2: <clears throat> you know what? Um, that That's really interesting to think about, right? Because as I've like grown my business and I've expanded my services, then my pricing has had to change in ways to cover some of those things that you're basically saying, hey, look, like, when you start this sort of a business, you want to account for whatever it is that you might potentially need and you need to account for it in ways that, you know, once I hit this much, then I need to be prepared to, like you said, hire some kind of an assistant or a a VA or whatever you might need. um, And then, you know, kind of have those check marks at this number, I can hire another person to do X and so forth. So I love that idea of, you know, initially trying to determine what it is that you're going to need financially for your business to run and then what you're going to need to support as it gets larger. I think that's a really good way of looking at it. Is there ever a time because that might be a hard thing to determine, though, too. Right. So is there is there are there checkpoints or are there moments where um Uh, You would tell somebody that they might have to kind of reassess their pricing a little more dramatically because they have a need for something that they can't afford yet.
1: Um, So I know for me, I look at my pricing every six months. I don't always raise it at that point, but every at, at like this time of year and at the end of the year, I pull up my books. Keep your books up to date. I know it's terrible. But you'll thank yourself when you get to tax time and all you have to do is hit print and give it to your accountant. Mm-hmm. Um, I I usually get my tax refunds like February eighth. It's great. Nice. Um, <laughs> but you also you need to know how much you're spending, how much you are bringing in, and evaluate your pricing based on that. You need it, it's. You know, I know a lot of people think it's it's boring, or it's you know, they, their eyes glaze over. But it's you need to know it. It's it's foundation for your business, and you can't add stories to your business if the foundation is not stable and can't support it. So you need to know, you know, if, if your pricing is working, you need to know which revenue streams are working best for you. You need to know like where your sales are coming from or most of them coming from Instagram or most of them coming from referrals from other vendors so that you can see what's working and what's not and basically double down on what's working. And also, you you need to know not just what you have in the bank today, but what do you expect to have in the bank in a month? Do you have a really big bill coming up And you need to, you know, account for that. Or maybe you have a really big invoice that someone's going to pay next week. And you say, okay, I'm going to take that money and put it aside and start saving for this business investment. Um, You don't just want to be spending money on the fly and jump into don't pick five passive revenue streams and jump into them all in the same month and like be like I spent a thousand dollars on a membership to this site and do that try it's it's hard I know and I've done a couple of revenue streams that ended up not working out but um you want to try and go in with you know the best financial picture that you can and continually reevaluate that pricing especially like um, I don't know if you guys deal with it at all, but I have material costs mm-hmm. for what I do, and the costs I'm—I've been getting almost every month. Our prices are going up, our prices are going up. Shipping has gone up, and I have to—I have to—to to account for that, and then see, like, okay, that's affected my margin, so now I need to raise my price to—to to compensate.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think I think it's important to to evaluate that stuff. And, uh, you know, I think some people get nervous about, you know, wanting to this is like to me, this is like the, the, the dirty, brutal side of business, which is like you just have to be absolutely honest with yourself and realize if you're not thinking about if you're not thinking in terms of where you want your business to be versus where your business is, you're always going to be in this hamster wheel of catch up. And if you can think more about terms of where you want your business to be, yeah, that might realistically not, you, you may evaluate that and you may realize, okay, I can't charge, you know, in my market, I can't charge $2,500 per event for the service that I offer. So I need to either adjust my plan or I need to understand that it's okay if i don't hit my plan in year one or year two but i still have to be moving towards that plan because eventually that's where i need to be and for longevity and for stability i've got to be there and if you're if you're afraid to do that then you probably shouldn't get in business for yourself in the first place i mean i I, that's really the the cut and dry easy simple answer to that um but if you but if you play this game where you're which most Everybody in our industry plays this game of, I'm new, I'm learning, I blah, 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 so I'm i gonna charge less than everybody else. And then inevitably what happens, you charge less than everybody else, you get all of this business, you get burnt out because you can't handle all the business that you received. And then most of the time you end up moving on. Instead of realizing yeah. that, you know, maybe if you, maybe if, you know, you, you found, let's say you found a price point, I'm new, I don't know anything. So I'm just using random numbers. So you charge $900 for your service. And the going rate for that same service most everywhere else is $1,500. And you're significantly less than everybody else. Well, there's nothing wrong with maybe saying, well, let me charge 1250. Okay, I'm not charging as much as everybody else. I'm falling into that, I'm not there yet category, but I'm not so far down the line that number one, it doesn't make sense. And number two, from a business plan standpoint, it doesn't even make sense, you know? And Yeah. I just wish more people did that in our industry.
1: Yeah. And you, like a lot of people, I, I know, especially with beginners, um, I know even for me, I was like, why do they charge so much? That doesn't make sense to me. And it, you learn quickly why they do. Um, you know, like if if I wanted to make $100,000 in revenue a year and I can only take on, you know, 50 clients, uh, there's that's the price point I have to charge. It's just math. Um, and you know, you ha- you have to remember to account for all the costs that come along with that. Um, you know, your revenue is not your income.
0: Thank you. Thank you. For saying
1: <laughs> that. Um, if you want to, if you want to pay yourself a hundred thousand dollars, you should probably aim for, you know, at least 1500 or 150,000 in revenue. If you want to hire someone, you need to keep going up.
0: Right. Yeah. No. Yeah. No, anybody who thinks that in order to make a hundred thousand dollars, you just have to h- charge a hundred thousand dollars already needs to go to uh, a basic business <laughs> understanding class. Yeah. See, that, You should make a course about that. There you go. Frank, <laughs> you could do that. Frank, you should make a course about that. And that could be your passive income, man.
2: You know what? Um I don't. I don't know if I would be the right person. The course might be really short. It might just be exactly what was said there, <laughs> because I think that's really all that needs to be said. You know what? I think most people will find out the first time they have an accountant file their taxes for them after they open a business exactly how much money they earned for themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. it doesn't take long.
1: <clears throat> yeah, um, and it. I mean, it, it's even easier if you're. You're keeping all your accounts separate, you know, like you should, yeah. I, I yeah. have, you know, have everything for the business separate. And if I'm, if I'm going to have any of that money, that is my profit or, you know, in personal income, I have to actually take see, see it in the checking account and then transfer it to the personal account and I'm writing myself a paycheck. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you know, you quickly learn that, there's only so much work you can do, and there's only so much you can charge for it. Um, and you know that's when, when you hit that wall. You know, you're 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 going to hit it eventually if you stay in the industry. Yeah. And so before you hit that wall, you want to start thinking about, okay, well, what else can I do that I can uh, increase my revenue without having to, uh, suck all of my hours out of every day. (laughs) Um, And, um, that doesn't cost as much to, you know, run. That's actually going to give me a profit after expenses.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. You know,
2: there was so much valuable information, I think, um today that if you have watched this episode or are listening back later and uh you don't feel like you take anything from this you probably need to go back and listen to it a second time which will not only help us get another view but will also help you hopefully open up your uh, mind to some things that are so important when you're when you're thinking about your business um yeah i i i love today's talk i think it was great um all the information that you provided was was uh, invaluable, and I and I hope that our listeners have have taken a lot from it. I, I have a couple of completely off topic things that I got to ask you though. So one, like- I have to see the squirrel. Do you have a painting of the squirrel some somewhere where we can see?
1: Here's Mr. Squirrel. Nice. That's yes.
0: And wait, that is wait that's so realistic looking. Holy this moly!
1: Is, this is a Giclée print.
2: Well, okay. Explain what that is just for um, anybody who doesn't know.
1: It's a really expensive printer and really expensive paper. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Got it. Yeah. Okay, so I will not be buying one to make my own squirrel anytime soon. Check.
1: No, um, but you could purchase one that's already done.
0: <laughs> ooh, And that looks so realistic. I can't get over how realistic you. that
1: looks. Yeah. Wow. Um, that's one of the things that sets me apart even from a lot of the other watercolor artists in the industry is um i am a little obsessive about detail Hmm. um so my style is very recognizable um and unique and i have i actually i work with other stationary designers who don't know how to paint who send me their clients to get stuff painted to go on their wedding invitations um that's awesome. And um, so one of, the, one of the things that I can do to make my income uh, more passive is, you know, I, Mr. Squirrel here is, he's from a wedding invitation, but I sell the print of Mr. Squirrel. And I didn't have to repaint him. I already did it the one time. Um, and I own the copyright to that artwork. So I can reuse it. And I have, you know, you've got to, you, you own assets in your business. So what else can you do with them?
2: Yeah. I mean, I, mean I, I love that. And I bet you, you know what, I bet you that couple probably if I don't know if they, if they follow you still and know that you're using the squirrel, but if they do, I would imagine that they feel like it's a pretty cool thing that, that, you know, their squirrel from their invitation has now become like a calling card among, uh, you know, among <laughs> your business and your, and your, you know, your, uh, your clients too. Yeah. <clears throat> so, all right. Second question that I got for you it said, I think your husband is a paleontologist. Yes. <laughs> so I, I gotta know like how excited or not excited. I I'm, I'm really curious either how excited or not excited is he for the new Jurassic park that's, or Jurassic world that's coming out?
1: <laughs> He's tentatively excited. <laughs> so <laughs> You know, some of the other ones have not been great, but he's really excited by the number of different dinosaurs that are in the promo. So, even if you know the storyline is is not great, he's excited just to see a bunch of different ones, especially when they include ones that are you know they're real, but they're not popular yet in pop culture, Um, and then they're in Jurassic Park, and then now everyone knows what they are.
2: Of course. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> yeah, You know what? That's so cool. Like, I think, I think at some point when you're a kid, maybe not all kids, but probably most kids, I know all four of my kids have had moments where they've just been like dinosaur crazy, right? They just, they, they like my daughter right now, she's got, and of course, right, she's three and little baby princess. She has like pink dinosaur, you know, toys and stuff, which of course we all know isn't real. Um, My boys have loved every single Jurassic Park and Jurassic World um, that's come out. Of course, like their, right, their want for a storyline is different than ours and whatnot. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, when I saw the paleontologist thing, I just, I was thinking (laughs) to myself, like, now's the perfect time. I got to know, does a paleontologist want to see Jurassic World or not want to see Jurassic World? Oh,
1: yeah, no, they, like, anything that popularizes, you know, his line of work, he he's all good with and um hey if you're in stanton you know the home of the virginia museum of natural history is Martinsville, virginia
2: oh really i didn't oh yeah
1: and if you if you want to work out something he he loves giving uh, special tours with a little bit of notice can take them look back in the collections room where they keep all the extra fossils that don't go out front
2: Sweet. (laughs) I I will tell my wife and we will plan a kid's trip. My boys will go crazy for that kind of a thing. My three year old, she'll be along for the ride. Just kind of like being giggly and stuff. But my boy, especially my oldest son, man, he'll be like zoned on every single thing that's said (laughs) and we'll repeat it on the ride home. Every single thing.
0: That's awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, Ashley. Thank you for joining us tonight. We really appreciate you being on the show. Uh, as As Frank mentioned earlier, uh, I, I think such such a lot of different valuable pieces of information. And I think you know we have to we have to always walk away remembering that, like the old adage say it says, if it was if it was that easy to do, everybody would be doing it. And that's why business is tough. And, and being starting a business is super tough. Maintaining a business is probably more tough. Being successful in a business is the toughest of all three. None of them are impossible, but they do take hard work and they do take seeking out knowledge to figure out how to get from where you are to where you want to be. And that's you know part of the reason why we started this show to hopefully have wonderful people like yourself come on with us and, and share some of the knowledge and experience that you've had throughout your career. And hopefully being able to pass that on to somebody else, whether they want to also come up with the next squirrel or if or if they want to do something totally different in the in the industry or a totally different industry. And um, but but learn from the lessons that you shared. So thank you very much for being with us tonight. We really appreciate it.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much for inviting me. This was a, a, a lot of fun.
0: Thank you. Thanks. Frank, do you want to close us out tonight, man?
2: Oh Well, I don't know. Do we know who do we know who's up next?
1: I don't. But
2: we, I don't know who's, we don't know who's up next, but if you join the WBG Community Text Club up above, right, you can get that update once we, once we have that all figured out. Um, if you join our Facebook group or if you follow us on YouTube or anywhere else, uh, you're going to get all that information as well. Um, again, Ashley, just to echo what David said, appreciate you coming on. Lots of great information And super excited about hopefully going through the uh, History Museum soon uh, with the special tour my kids will enjoy. Other than that, um, everybody, I hope you have a great wedding full weekend, and we will talk to you next week.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode. We hope you've enjoyed it. Don't forget you can watch all of our live episodes on the Wedding Business Growth YouTube channel, and you can also connect with us on all social medias at Wedding Business Growth. Don't forget to stop by our website, WeddingBusinessGrowth.com.